Welcome to episode 15 of the Schaefer Creative Podcast. One of the things that fascinates me about artists is how they got to where they are as creative professionals. What were the formative influences that shaped them as artists? What were the major challenges they faced? And what drove them to overcome the obstacles? Annapolis painter John Ebersberger is no exception. After graduating from a prestigious art school, John discovered that his school had not taught him how to draw or paint. And under the tutelage of a great artist named Cedric Egley, he applied himself to become the brilliant painter that he is today. I met John at his studio in Annapolis. Why don't you start off by telling me, just to give me a nutshell of who you are and what you've done. Who I am. Okay, well, I guess as a kid I always wanted to be a cartoonist. And um, I ended up working my way through the Maryland Institute College of Art, which is in Baltimore, uh, by drawing caricatures on the Ocean City Boardwalk. And in those days I could earn half of my college tuition during those couple of months in the summer to pay for half of my, uh, my college, believe it or not. And it was a great artistic education because you were drawing, you were making drawings for people and they had to have a certain quality to them because the people were paying you to draw their picture. <laughs> so, so it was like, uh, it was, you know, really frontline training, you know. That would have been nerve-wracking for me. Oh age. my gosh. Oh, it was very nerve-wracking. And I wasn't ready. And the guy that ran the caricature stands hired me specifically because he thought, for, for one thing, I was maybe 16 when I started, but I looked about 12. So he had this notion that I was going to be this child prodigy. You see, <laughs> that people were going to go, oh dear, look at, the, look at the marvelous child cartoonist. What, you know, what a miracle, you know. But it didn't turn out that way because I was so nervous. I was sweating bullets drawing these people, and, and it was, it was I, I think it was a little bit, but that's how we learn in life, yeah, right? Sure. You know, trial by fire, and if, yeah. I hadn't, if I hadn't had that experience, you know, I probably, I would have ended up a different human being, I think. But, um, but as it happened, I started getting quite a few rejects, and I was demoted to the day shift on the Ocean City Boardwalk. All, everybody came out at night, but all of a sudden I was there during the day because I wasn't, you know, that good. But what happened was we had a string of very rainy days, bad weather days, which meant everybody was all of a sudden on the boardwalk during the day. And so I just, I just dug in and drew and drew and... Um, and I think I, I, that was kind of like the turning point for me, you know. And um, so anyway, I, uh, I, I continued to love uh, drawing cartoons and so forth. Um, and it, but after graduating from the Maryland Institute, and by the way, at that time, I won't, I won't make any uh, negative comments about um, art schools nowadays, but at that time, the, the art schools in the country were very influenced by, uh, I would say, modernist tendencies. There was a lot of uh, conceptual art at the time. And, and just the skill of realistic representational painting and drawing really wasn't, um, it, it really wasn't uh, talked about too much at the Maryland Institute. Uh, it was kind of deemed passe. 
Or I, I, I don't know. There was now, a, was this in the early 80s or late no, 70s? No, this was the 70s. Yeah, mid-70s. Yeah. I left high school a year early. So I was, uh, you know, it was in mid seventies. I think I graduated from college in nineteen seventy six. So it was during the nineteen seventies, but um, uh, immediately upon graduate, well, actually, while I was at the Maryland Institute, I took a number of independent study classes, and it gave me the opportunity to concentrate on my own artwork, which at the time happened to be comics and cartooning. And uh, I produced a comic book centered around my experiences in Ocean City called OC Funnies. And uh, I remember it was 1976 because the back cover uh, was, a, was a cartoon of the characters marching down the Ocean City boardwalk. It said the spirit of 76, and it was the bison celebration of the country's bicentennial. Oh, yeah. mm -hmm. So I remember that, you know, clearly that image. And uh, but so in, in a sense, I kind of taught myself to draw via cartooning. Yeah. You know, because when you're drawing cartoons, you're drawing forms in space. You're creating a believable world with light and shadow. And I was really enamored with the uh, the penmanship of the great cartoonists and the illustrators of the past. You know, so that kind of that kind of influenced uh, the look of what I was doing. Uh, but but I can't really say that I had good fundamental classical training which uh, artists and illustrators at the, let's say, the turn of the century would have uh, gotten. Right. I really didn't, wasn't lucky enough to get that at the Maryland Institute College of Art at that time. Um, now, was, it, this when you were, was this when you were sending letters to cartoonists? Uh, yeah, that I, earlier? Used, I used to write to cartoonists. Right, right. I wrote cartoonists, I guess, when I was in, in high school. Uh, yeah, around that time in high school. I think earlier, you know, I was really enamored with cartoonists, and uh, I would write them letters like uh, Dick Morris, who did Gasoline Alley, Johnny Hart, who drew BC at the time, Bill Keane, who did The Family Circus. All, Father of Family Circle, yeah. The our, our, my audience will like to know that he's the father of Glenn Keane. The Keen. father of the great animator, Glenn <laughs> Keane, was Bill Keane, who, who drew the family circle. And uh, it was called the family circle. Circus. Book, or it was circus. the family circus. I, I never could get it right. Maybe it's the family circus, but it was drawn in a circle. That's why it's, it's easy <laughs> to mess that up. But, it, but all these gentlemen were just so very kind to send this little kid... Um, Cartoon or cartoon originals, you know, which is yeah, what I was after. Well, I would write them amazing. fan. I would write them fan letters and say, "Wow, I want to be a cartoonist when I grow up. Can you give me any advice?" I would ask them, you know, questions, you know, and they were just so kind to send these originals. And there's nothing more exciting than running to the mailbox, and wow, there was a Manila envelope that was the size and proportion of an original comic strip, you know. So this was just just a miracle to me. I remember my parents took me down to uh, someone in the neighborhood had met uh, 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 Johnny Hart's partner, Brant Parker, who drew the Wizard of Id comic strip. And he had a studio in, uh, in Virginia, not too far from where I lived in Annapolis, really? Maryland. So my parents were good enough to... I just... You know, just brazen when you're a kid, you got nerves. You know, I called the guy up, you know, and, and said, Hi, I'm, you know, Johnny, I'm a cartoon. I want to be a cartoonist. I was a kid at the time, you know, whatever, junior high school, high school. And and I said, Well, could I come down sometime and, and visit your studio? You know, he went, Why, why, sure, that would be fine, you know. So he, 
Uh, my parents drove me down there and dropped me off, and I spent a good hour or so with the guy, and he looked at my drawings. We went through my, he went through my sketchbook. He did little drawings and showed me the importance of shapes. I still have a little drawing he did, the clarity of shapes in, uh, in cartoon design in the characters, mm. and, uh, which I thought was really interesting. And um, so that kind of stuff has a big impact on you when you're growing up, as, yeah. a, as a meaning. You know, everything wasn't readily available on the internet like it is today. You had to you had to seek out things. You know, our, our local little public library in Annapolis had a had a modest art section, and there was you know, let's say there's five books with cartoons in them. You got to know those five books very intimately, and yeah, one of them, even if they weren't good, <laughs> yeah, but they happened to be very good. One of them was Jules Pfeiffer's The Great American Comic Book Heroes, where he profiled, you know, uh, you know, there was early Superman in there. He profiled um, uh, the Spirit by Will Eisner. Okay. Um, some of the other key cartoons, you know, Jules Pfeiffer, who ended up drawing for the. Uh, what's the. Uh, artsy paper in New York City. It used to be the Village Voice. Okay. He started doing cartoons for the Village Voice, Jules Pfeiffer. Uh, but anyway, um, what's my point? Oh, they had a number of art books at Anne Arundel County Public Library on West Street. And, and an, another uh, uh, couple of books they had were a collection of New Yorker cartoons. Oh, yeah. From the I early... Those. They would come up with these yeah. albums, yeah. you know, that were like 10-year intervals or whatever, yeah. say 20s through the 30s or the, you know, I forget how often they would... But there were some really great draftsmen in those early uh, uh, New Yorker cartoons, like the Charles Adams cartoons and uh, Goliath Williams... You know, really tremendous draftsman in disguise mm -hmm. as cartoonists. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you had to be a brilliant draftsman to be a cartoonist, but most people yeah. didn't know. Most people didn't know that. That's right. Right. That's like that's a big secret. That's the big misnomer, the, even in animation. You know, oh, you're just doing uh, your cartoons, but you're animating and moving oh my, all kinds of places. Oh my gosh! Yeah, and you've got to know. You've got to know how the, the the figure works in space. And I mean, to this day, I marvel, and I've started going. You know, eBay is a wonderful resource. And I've started reacquiring some of these albums of old New Yorker cartoons. And yeah. it's, a, it's amazing to see the transformation of cartoon styles from the um, 20s into the 30s, into the 40s, into the 50s. And gradually they become, they become more and more and more and more stylized, you know, mm -hmm. and from, from hyper-realism into more stylized. And there's various stages along the way that are really very interesting. Yeah. And you, you probably see that in animation, right? Yes. From, uh, and uh, so anyway, so um, so there I was as you know a kid cartoonist. You know I viewed myself as I was going to be a cartoonist. That's fine. That was great. You know, but we, uh, me and a friend uh, of mine, we went to this uh, sketch group. Uh, this the very year that I got out of the Maryland Institute, there was a local sketch group. And me and my buddy Jeffrey in Annapolis. In Annapolis, it was at the Weems Creek Community Center. Teeny little, little funky old historic building that's still over across the we that's still over there across the Weems Creek Bridge, and I went in there and there's all these, this room full of artsy people in a circle around a model stand, you know, 
And there was a woman on the floor. She had all her credit piles all spread out, a little beret on her head. All these artsy-looking people, you know, what you'd think of as artsy people. And I'm sitting there in her drawing, and I was really independent egg, so I was drawing, uh, doing drawings of the model in, in India egg. And, I, and the door opens, and this guy walks in, and it was like, he had a very serious expression on his face. And I, I remember thinking, this guy does not look like any artist I have ever seen in my life. He is clearly a pervert here to look at the nude model. I was very clear that that's what was happening, you know, mm. because here was a room of artsy-looking people, and this guy walked in, and I said, ain't no artist that I've ever seen. He don't belong here. Hey, I don't know what's going on here. And then there was a break, and I, you know, I did the, I'm, I'm going to go check out what this guy was doing. I go over, and there, he, well, he hadn't even drawn the whole figure. He had drawn the most beautiful head, the most beautiful portrait in light, full light and shade and charcoal that I had ever seen a living artist do. You know, it, 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 it baffled me. I was like, whoa, you know, light and shade, you know, miracle, you know. Why wasn't I taught this in art school? Wow, <laughs> you know? really? You know, and and it happened, and so I went. You up, did nothing in light and shade in art school. Um, no, I can't. I can't say that we didn't, but I certainly was not instructed in yeah. the discipline right. of how to recognize the light from the shade Incredible. and the importance of that. I mean, to some degree, but it was very. It it, it wasn't really. It, it, I, I don't know how much of it was, was something that I just stumbled on because yeah. it was kind of evident. Okay, here's light, <coughs> here's shade. You know, you know what I mean. But it wasn't it wasn't studied to the refined degree that yeah. it, that it that it that it very readily could have been. Now that I know something about it, it you know it's it's a concept that could be presented very clearly, oh, yeah. and and you can train a person to study in that way. This kind of training was not. Uh, now, of course, I have to be careful because this is a podcast, but <laughs> there were certainly teachers there of a more traditional bent than others. So it really had to do with who the teacher you were studying with, you know. So, yeah. so maybe, maybe as luck had it, the particular teachers I had, maybe that wasn't their strong suit. But just in general, the, the thrust of the Maryland Institute was not as a... Um, Kind of a classical. You got to remember the times. These were the hip seventies. Yeah, right. Everybody was dropping out, turning on, tuning in, and you know, it's wow, man, and you know, and conceptual art. Con conceptual data is a rule today. You'd go in the gallery, there'd be a pile of bricks in the corner or whatever with a little tag, and it would be called the destruction of man, or 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 there'd be right some kind of fiber construction hanging, you know, and you know, had the little gallery tag, you know, and. You know, and people go like, "Oh, how how interesting! Oh, this represents the existential crisis of man." And you know, I mean, it's just ridiculous. It was, you know, but just uh, you know, no one ever talked about the beauty of reality. Yeah. The beauty, you know, the beauty of reality. You know. But anyway, so I so I I I went up. I immediately at this sketch group. I immediately went up to this man. And mind you, I just graduated from the Maryland Institute College. Of, I had my degree, you know. I, I just went right up to him. I said, I said, would you teach me how to draw? <laughs> you know, it's like, I knew that I didn't know how to do what he was doing, you know. Wow. Yeah, and he looked at my drawing. And th this is a man, his name is Cedric Agley, and he ended up being my teacher. And to this day, he's, I still consider him my teacher. And But he... Uh, 
he, he has a manner of, of speaking, which is a little bit, he kind of mumbles under his breath a lot, you know. So I said, well, I showed him my drawings. I said, what do you think of these? What should I do? And he, and he muttered cryptically, oh, draw longer lines. He, he said, draw longer lines. And I'm like, what the hell does that mean? Draw longer lines? What? You know, well, you know, after studying with him, you know, for several years and now figuring this out, he meant long lines of relationship that flow through the figure. So you don't, you know, you don't start at the head, trace down one side. Oh, there's an elbow. Now I'm coming down here. Draw. You know, but actually follow the flow of the form. So if, if animators we would be thinking about a line of action, perhaps a flow through the entire figure, or you know, and he had the good fortune of studying with Frank Riley at the Art Students League. Oh, did he really? Who taught many illustrators. And, and who had an impact on the animation community. Yeah, for because sure. Because he taught Fred Fixler, who taught out in California, who taught a lot of animators. I studied under guys oh, who studied did. under Fred Fixler. Oh, there you go. Well, there you go. So, yeah, and, 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 and I think anybody of some artistic merit almost always has some kind of pedigree that you can trace back to a particular... Incredible powerful entity that, that communicated this knowledge and, 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 and Frank Riley was a student I think of Dean uh, Cornwell, Cornwell. Yeah. yeah so so a lot of this stuff came down and then who knows where Dean Cornwell got it Harvey from. Dunn there you go so it goes back and back and back to, to Howard Pyle the, the, there you go and you know, and then Howard Pyle was over studying, and, 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 and they yep. were over learning it in France you know it's incredible yeah Frank Brangwin right and and so, but this this concept of long line came from Frank Riley because he taught this system of drawing the figure called the Riley lines. Yeah. And the Riley lines were kind of a systematic. You could think of it. I mean, they were they were lines of construction that were available in the figure, but they were also lines that the eye would follow through the figure. Yeah, because like a rhythm. Like a rhythm, yeah. So you could so you could go from the. You know, the uh, mastoid process behind the ear down to the, the sternal notch, down the length of the breastbone, to the linea alba, down to the weight-bearing leg. You know, you'd have this one single line that would encompass all these points. And then, you know, there'd be one line, you know, this with the, uh, the uh, tracing of the rib cage. You know, one of the lines was the, was the line of the, the skull. Um, and you'd have these, um, you know, there were these two... In these two inverted kind of triangular patterns. One was the, the breadth of the shoulders down to the crotch, and then you had the breadth of the, of the hips up imaginarily through the rib cage to the, um, the outside of the neck, you know, and these two systems kind of superimposed on one another. Gave you a kind of a map, a guideline to, to work with the figure. Because if you're just looking at the figure and you have no way, you know, of making sense of it, you're likely to start, which I would, you know, to start tracing the outline from the top right. and then tracing around the outside, down the edge of the shoulder, down and until you... Whereas this was a way to follow the movement of the form through the figure, you know, through the interior of the figure. And it's just, it, it's kind of a roadmap, gave you a key to unlock the, 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 the figure. So cedric was really the the first step to me to get to that right. you know and it started opening up all these doors because all of a sudden you know i mean i love cartoons but i wasn't just drawing cartoons i was i was drawing reality and i went whoa this here's a whole nother avenue of, of, of expression you know 
And so I started really getting into that. And, um, uh, you know, and he taught uh, portraiture, figure drawing. We had a local art uh, center open up called Maryland Hall for the Creative Arts, which is the uh, old Annapolis High School building that a group of uh, citizens in the, the city, you know, really did a good job at securing that. I mean, that, that's become like a real uh, center point of the arts community in Annapolis, not only for visual arts, but performing arts. And you and teach there quite often. I teach there now. That's where you and I met. That's right. Todd was this great animator that came in and taught gesture drawing, which, which reawakened my whole you know, interest in cartooning. And my wife says, very dangerous, because it was a rabbit hole. I could have gone down, and I was headed <laughs> down that rabbit hole. But thankfully, you were called off to Canada. <laughs> I was very sad. Everybody was very sad when you left. But it was cosmic. If you hadn't have left, I would, you know, I'd be... Who knows where you'd be I right animating. <laughs> I remember I was animating. I was just learning to, to... We had just scanned in drawings of a little little rabbit Remember the rabbit? Oh, yeah, yeah, the, you, right. you had an assignment. You said, draw a rabbit, and, and he was to engage with a pail, right? Yeah. A, and walk a certain distance or whatever. Mm -hmm. and, and we had just scanned it in flash. This was just when that, yeah. when that whole technology was, you know, like, like it was a miracle that, that, uh, that Marilyn Hall got a computer with a scanning bed, and we were scanning him in. And it might have been mine. Oh, maybe it was your computer. I my computer. And it was, and we had just, and I just, you know, I just had that brief whiff of seeing this little character that I had animated, and I was like, "Whoa, that was so cool," you know. And then I think, like a week after that, oh, I'm gone. You were, you were off to Canada, you know. There was the the beginning and end of my um, my animation career. Cool, you know. Back to painting. <laughs> Next week, I'll continue my conversation with John as he introduces us to another painter who contributed to his artistic development, a painter who was a brilliant colorist named Henry Henshi. You don't want to miss this episode. Schaefer Creative is a product of my family of six, all of us pursuing careers in film or the arts. This is our place to showcase our art, document our growth, and share what we learned. We hope you'll find value in learning from our artistic convictions, our mistakes and successes, and the guidance we share as a family. In the Conversations with Creatives edition, I invite my friends, colleagues, and heroes to talk about their craft, their education, and professional life in their art. I'm animation director Todd Schaefer, the father, and your host on this edition of the Schaefer Creative Podcast. Thank you for joining us on this edition of the Schaefer Creative Podcast. You will find show notes for this episode and more information about Schaefer Creative at schaefercreative.studio. Music is by Lee Rosevere.